This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where it's time to preview Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers. Week 14, where... Seattle's hoping to stop their losing slide against the best team in the NFL. And I'm joined by the perfect guest to preview this matchup, Director of Communications at Sumer Sports, absolute expert in a lot of things at NFL, but particularly Kyle Shanahan's offense and also the Vic Fangio defensive system. So a real nice tie in there. Also appears on the Ringer's Philly special podcast. So technically an Eagles expert, but the Eagles just got battered by the 49ers too. So there's a lot to learn here. Uh, Sean Syed, how are you doing? Maddie, I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me on. You know, I love whenever we get to talk about football, so I'm glad we get it into a microphone, out of the DMs and into the microphone. And yeah, I love that the Eagles have the crossover because obviously the Eagles have the Cowboys this week. Next week, they have the Seahawks. So it's like three games in a row of everyone just playing a little round robin that it seems like the 49ers are just going to keep on winning. But maybe we'll get some optimism by the end of the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Sean and I, uh, Sean on Twitter, at Syed Schemes, we we DM most of our DMs have been me trying to work out what on earth last year was with the Seahawks defense, um, and they've slightly changed, but there's some carryover. <laughs> so Seattle has lost four straight games to the 49ers, which has been very frustrating for Seahawks fans. However, this past San Francisco game where they go and beat the number one NFC team, the Eagles, is kind of a reminder that while it's frustrating that Seattle loses to this team, they are pretty good, unfortunately, and they just happen to be in the NFC West. And that just felt like a statement win from San Francisco. What happened, if you can, I don't know, a lot happened in that game, but what happened, Sean? Yeah, not not good things for the 49ers. I'm sure uh, Seahawks fans, listeners to the podcast would love to hear Sean Desai's defense just uh, get beat up. But I'll, I would, I'll stick up for Desai. But overall, I think the, the 49ers, as you said, are, I think, pretty clearly right now the best team in the league. In terms of offense, the Eagles defense is really, really built front to back. And they had a difficult time with even things like when the 49ers would do change of run strength shifts where they're moving a tight end from one side to the other. 
The Eagles aren't bumping the three technique over. Trent Williams is able to climb to the second level with ease and cause problems. The 49ers offense was really leaning into the four by one pass concepts, which I know Seahawks fans love because like, I feel like the most famous one is that George Kittle one where he kind of runs free against Seattle. And then Philly wasn't able to create pressure with four, where I think that even if you consider the 49ers offense, the best offense, they probably don't have the best pass blocking offensive line in the league. They can't get pressure with four. They have to send five. At that point, they have an undrafted second-year linebacker getting high load, and you know you miss a tackle, and it, it's kind of off to the races. I was surprised. I think San Francisco had a little more early down passing than I'm used to seeing. I could be wrong by the numbers, but it really felt like they were kind of comfortable with that. And I think that Brock Purdy is just playing at a high level right now. I'm, I'm not too proud to say that. I think that there are times where – You'll be in a game, and he'll get, he'll give you one throw where your defender is going to get the their hands on the ball. We saw it last year where Quandre Diggs, you know, he's he's right there. Purdy, I think, is at a better level than that, but it's hard to fight against, you know, what, whether it's the system, whether it's him, whatever it is, they're doing well. So on the offensive side, just total, I'm t- total demolition from the 49ers offense. And then you flip the ball to the other side. The 49ers defense, I thought they had just like their best pass coverage game really across kind of everything that I've seen this year so it's kind of unfortunate to be going up against the 49ers and then talking about the eagles talking about the seahawks where it's like oh well now the coverage guys are ascending too so just 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 through and through you know san francisco really out phillied philly and uh goes ahead and takes that crown even if they don't have the best record in the conference just yet yeah i mean it's as you said in the dms to me it's a buzzsaw team it's absolutely terrifying both sides of the football and don't worry, Seahawks fans. We will try and pick some areas that maybe San Francisco can be attacked in. But you talking about how they were using motion to, you know, uh, at the snap to change where to, you know, basically get more blockers to the weak side and and leave the three tech in in the wrong area. They did that exact same thing to Seattle in the in the past week. They they just know what they're doing. It's it's really annoying how Shanahan always seems to have that extra answer to to beat the structure. Uh, we'll kind of dive into all of that but I mean the four by one stuff that's more kind of applicable to this year Seattle running so much um, I think they're better at four to a side stuff but like they changed their entire coverage partly because of how they were getting done like that and it's that kind of week to week wrinkle that Shanahan's good at where I'm I'm you did a great cut up of it actually uh, but even just watching through just the, the quick highlights of the game you're like hang on a second Every big play is coming from this, like, you know, four to a side uh, deal in, in the route distribution. Um, <laughs> just an absolute nightmare. So you asked me if Seattle's defense did any cool stuff versus the 49ers when you're preparing for this Eagles matchup. And I, I said, absolutely not. Um, did the Eagles get to do anything fun schematically or was it just a shit show? Yeah, I, well, I guess for, you know, the the, the film grinders, like they have a, a pretty cool snap where they're doubling McCaffrey out of the backfield where they're, it's like a mug linebacker who ends up working out yep. to it. So like on the sheet, it's like, well, that looks really, really cool. But mm-hmm. then you have uh, like your fourth or fifth nickel in there and he gets beat on an under and then the receiver is able to get yards after the catch. So the, our good friend Sean Desai, you know, played man, played zone. They were in base. They got into penny fronts. They CMC just he like ran the whole entire route tree from the backfield. They had him running running back sale. They had him like obviously you know that McCaffrey's gonna run a choice route. So he like he fakes that and goes vertical off it. And you just don't have a chance really in any way. So 
I really, and I do want to say quickly, like Sean Desai through the year, I think has been really, really good game planning. Uh, I know that uh, whatever Desai's influence in Seattle, maybe, maybe not uh, everyone's favorite. You could see as you take your sip of, <laughs> of coffee or tea related to that, but he's, he's been a great game planning defensive coordinator, had a good game plan against the Dolphins, particularly that they played well against the Chiefs in the second half, but San Francisco just, I mean, man, uh, it just things like how much the motion affected the defense was like almost a little bit disheartening, but then you'd think that the Eagles had like their third and fourth linebackers in there at that point. I mean, Seattle knows that they're going to use different sorts of motion, but then at a certain point it's, you know, can you tackle Debo Samuel with a head of steam in open space? And the answer for Philadelphia was unfortunately no in this game. I just, they have so many, so many star players and there's always like one too many for defense. So it's like, okay, well we've dealt with Debo on that play. Um, you know, we, we've dealt with Ayuk, um, we've dealt with whatever, whatever. Oh, here's Christian McCaffrey out the backfield, like you're saying. He, he's just running this, you know, option route or whatever, and it's just a complete breaker, you know, like that. Uh, were they in cover one or cover three on the McCaffrey play down the sideline where the, the backer kind of undercuts it like he thinks it's an out and they think they have like the pick six play and then it's lobbed down the sideline over the head of him uh, as McCaffrey yep. bends it upfield. Yeah, I'm. I if I remember correctly, I'm, I'm think they were in in uh, zone, but I don't. I'm pretty sure it was one zone high. Would make sense. Yeah, but even then, like I mean, you you're gonna have to match that at some some level, and like you can very very clearly see the the linebacker is turning his head as if like, hey, we're anticipating that outbreaking route. So it's like, eh, you know, like <laughs> either way, kind of whatever you're doing there, it's tough because they're obviously gonna have their uh, like outermost receiver running just something to pull the the cornerback inside especially if that's a deep third corner so really either way like i when i watched it i was like i, I you can't obviously you're going to give the linebacker a minus there but i mean how are you going to expect that player to be able to cover mccaffrey eh, you can't and then you go ahead and double team and you get beat somewhere else so it's interesting like san francisco is one of the like not that they're in injury fragile and that they're injury prone but like if you pull one piece out of the jenga tower then i think not that it falls over but like they really are like relying on having all of those guys. But then even in the games where they go on that three game losing streak, like Cincinnati and Minnesota, their offense was still really, really moving the ball with, with ease. Cleveland's the only team that I think we've seen across the whole entire year that really kind of punched San Francisco in the mouth a little bit. So just, I mean, Maddie, I, I don't know. Like do, does anyone stop these guys? It, it, it really feels like a, a circumstance where it's, it's them stopping themselves. If anyone <laughs> ends up doing it. Yeah, and I love how you spoke about the motion because that's something Pete Carroll spoke about today. He like raised it unprompted in his press conference, so he's clearly haunted by uh, watching Debo Samuel. They they kind of had that wrinkle in where they orbit him around um, and then like return him. I don't know what exactly that's called in Shanahan vocabulary, but it was like their wrinkle of the week kind of thing. Um, and they dressed up so many different plays off that look uh, and schematically as well that their run game they're able to be diverse and they're able to get back to the old hits of like just running like not vanilla but uh kind of more basic wide zone with a juice check back as the the lead blocker as as a fullback position uh but then they're able to kind of be diverse in how they get their personnel on the field and then suddenly McCaffrey is you know playing like in the slot and you got Debo as the tailback and um I also uh like the maniac I am going through the images and you see 
uh, Kyle Shanahan's play sheet and from the Seattle game, there happened to be a, a nice picture taken from a, a very good sideline photographer. By the way, not sure if it's coincidence or not, but they've kind of dried up with Seattle, which disappointing. Anyway, uh, on the play sheet, Shanahan has um, he highlights each call with the kind of like a color coded to his players of like George Kittle, McCaffrey, um, Ayuk, and uh, Samuel. Uh, he he color codes them for which player he's going to get the ball to, which it kind of speaks to that mindset that they have and getting the stars the football out in space and it just seems like the way he picked on the Eagles linebackers in this game as well is just an absolute mess and I know you spoke about how Philadelphia's uh, roster has been constructed well Seattle's spending so much at the safety positions they're not really getting the the kind of splash plays out of it but a linebacker they've got a question mark in this game with um John Brooks has a and it's not a high ankle sprain it's a medial but he probably won't play this game and you know what Bobby Wagner You've probably seen some of the the stuff there, so yeah. I so saw you put out the you were the one that had to put out uh, the clips, yep. kind of highlighting him. Yeah, I mean Bobby Wagner, obviously a first ball Hall of Famer. You want to put him in the Ring of Honor and everything. It's he's at a different point in his career at this point. And I was I was watching the uh, choice route and go again. I think it, it may have been man coverage, and it's like, well, Wa- does Wagner get lined up in man coverage in those situations? No, That's, no, no, no. Yeah, I, no. I, mean, I certainly hope not. <laughs> Uh, well, you don't want any linebacker, but at the same time, like you don't really want anyone lined up in man coverage, even if you send your best cover guy there. Like, it, well, what is the what is the benefit there when you have so many issues everywhere else? I do. I will say, you know, along the Seattle defense, like obviously Spoon has been so much fun to watch. Like he is like play after play, down after down. It's just it just seems like I don't know if you can say, well, this is like a like a Seattle Seahawks player, but if that ethos was was true, it feels like he really is one of them. So I don't know. I mean, maybe you, you pop a fumble out that that's a way to do it, but just down in and down out, like you were saying how he Shanahan just gives you so much candy. There's so many different things like there. You have that whole motion. You have a run fake, you have a guard pulling out and it's just like, well, like how do you expect any linebacker to be able to do that? I would like love to get the clips from practice and see like, well, what does Fred Warner look like when he's defending this? Like, is he just a stick in the mud? Like, is he just totally, kind of lost too because i think even the best linebackers in the league would have a whole lot of issues defending that yeah well especially in uh in practice when his pass rush is uh is limited by the the red shirt quarterback yeah i think he's gonna be in some some difficulties uh i don't know if there are any weak points that you saw in this past game or have on the season Uh, the cleveland thing's interesting i wonder if that game was kind of uh with how aggressive cleveland are up front if some of the wrinkles they've added, some of these like counter runs that you see, or like the big end around to to Debo Samuel, kind of inspired by how teams are getting upfield on that. Uh, I know Philly were kind of they look like their front was playing aggressive, but I mean the 49ers lead the league in rushing and passing success rate, Sean. But did, have you seen weak points here? <laughs> <laughs> well, unless we do, we like Madden change the rosters a little bit. I will say if you're gonna not that you let a person beat you, but like you want it to come down to like Brock Purdy has a career game against you and he is able to scramble out of the pocket and he's able to make second reaction plays because McCaffrey has shown that he can do it at such a high level. You don't want it to just be running inside. Kittle is obviously very special. Debo Samuel, even on screens, is so good. Ayuk, like I would have maybe liked to see the Eagles challenge a little bit there. I think I, I think the world of Brandon Ayuk, I don't think that the Eagles would have been able to match up well, but anything to tighten those windows, particularly on those four by one sets where you get such a clean isolation one-on-one on on the backside 
make that throw a little tougher. Like part of his A dot was probably like, I think it was like six yards, but he had three throws where he ended up getting like 115 yards. And in total, they went one yard past the line of scrimmage. So yeah, you maybe don't want to have those over and over again. I do think that you can get after their offensive line in the pass pro, but like they, they had such a good game against the Eagles defensive line, which was so, so frustrating. As I said, the Eagles are so built front to back. So if you can get after him in that sort of way, but like, I don't know. It's so easy for me to say, Hey, like make it so pretty can beat you. But like, you don't want at the end of the day to say, well, Shanahan just out schemed us. If it's pretty making throws, that's like the, the fifth or sixth rung on the ladder of, okay, well we got beat because of this. Then you're just like totally tipping your cap at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and even watching this game back, Purdy had enough on those third downs. Like they seem to have just the right amount of coverage beaters in those like high leverage situations. Like the primary, uh, the primary reads open, it, it it wins on man coverage. And I guess that speaks to the, you know, partly being constructed front to back for the Eagles. Uh, Seattle will be hoping and from a schematic standpoint as well. I know one of the frustrations when the Sean Desai kind of stuff goes wrong is that rarely, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but rarely are you getting like DBs walked up in press. You're not getting kind of tightly contested cushions. You're often playing off coverage and relying on that as your kind of disguise layer, right? Whereas... Seattle, they will they will press out there. Um, they've had a, quite a few flags thrown recently, um, but they will try and contest those windows. I think a bit more. Yeah, I think as just like a an organizing philosophy, like I do like when you attack the receivers a little bit. I will say the Eagles at this point they have Slay and Bradbury, who you know like Bobby Wagner, they're at a different point in their career. I do think they have done a better job in recent weeks, but I, I think Desai is probably a little bit less comfortable saying, Hey, like, let's go ahead and have Bradbury lined up on IU. He had slay follow, uh, IU for a long period of time. I do think Seattle's corners are probably better on a, on a one and two basis than slay and Bradbury. So maybe that gives you some hope. And I guess for Desai as a whole, like, yeah, you'd love to sit in kind of two high shells and be able to, to play against third and long. And the Eagles did that twice on the first two possessions of the game. But after that, I think Shanahan got really deep in his, in his bag and they was, they were able to like avoid every third and 12, third and 13, third and 14 really, really easily. So I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to spend whatever, like it's 13 more weeks or however much between now the rest of the regular season, the Super Bowl, thinking like, are we going to get <laughs> anyone that can really contest this? I don't think their defense is, is unbeatable by any means. We'll get to that obviously after but again just sticking up for Sean Desai a little bit he's done a great job with game planning with a a limited defense that they've had cluster injuries at that linebacker position they've had two or three nickels go down they're obviously they're bringing Kevin Byer they got Reed Blankenship at the other spot so I think overall maybe you think, think it's a better matchup for the Seahawks just from a talent perspective that the Seahawks defense has I think younger players that are better at big spots Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, that's that's nice to hear someone say that from a. From, yeah, it's nice to hear someone from outside say that. And I just remembered I haven't asked you what your impression of the Seahawks is from afar. But before that, one last thing on the that when it comes to defensive front structure. So one play which really stood out to me was that George Kittle catch in the flat where he they caught them in penny. So for Seahawks fans, nickel five down bear look. Kittle kind of leaks out to the flat. No one covers him, and it's like a big play. And Shanahan always seems to know how to beat the front structure. But why that stands out is because it's a different front to, you know, playing a four-down front. There's five guys down. Seattle, in this past game against the 49ers, they faced like 64% of snaps where, you know, it's two running backs, one tight end, or, you know, uh, mainly that, really. But heavy personnel, like stuff where it conventionally you would play base defense, but... They played zero snaps of base, even though they have it, obviously, in their playbook. Uh, they played the same damn front every time. Um, <laughs> and uh, they gave up, I think it was eight explosives with six of them coming from heavy. I, I can't exactly remember. Or it might have been 10 explosive, eight of them coming from heavy. Anyway, major- vast majority of the explosive plays came from the heavy looks. And yet Seattle just stayed in the same damn front with that big B-gap bubble. And Shanahan just went to work on it. Philly does kind of stay in the same looks defensively for the main, right? So do you think there's maybe an opportunity by being a bit less predictable? Like, would would that be a, an idea? I mean, I would I would like to think so. Obviously, we, it's easy to think about from a coverage perspective. Hey, you don't want to just sit in quarters the entire game and offense can kind of pick you apart. I do think Shanahan is exceptional in that he is so attuned to, all right, well, this is the run we need to get to against this front but also these are the formations and shifts and motions that we can almost force you into that front it was interesting when we when we talked back and forth like you said that the Seahawks played so much nickel to that 21 personnel I don't know maybe your thought is if we're gonna get beat anyway like you have to earn it on the ground and kind of run it down our throats which I don't know I don't think I'm not sure what which is the best philosophy no one would kind of love to have that happened to you i do think like on that penny snap that you mentioned that was a tough one because kittle like when he is motioning into the backfield obviously when you're the middle linebacker in penny you're so used to being attached to that running back and then kittle is crossing at the exact moment where he's right on like vertical to mccaffrey when the ball is snapped and like that messes with your whole entire alignment your assignment your keys and everything and you get a guy wide open so i think even like some people say, oh, like you don't want to stunt into wide zone looks like that can just kind of get you washed. I don't know. Sometimes when you stunt away from it, you know, you can get beat that guy inside, especially when the 49ers to me are the best team of their in their wide zone game. Like they sometimes their double teams like aren't even double teams like they're just sending people and saying, hey, we, we need you to run fast to the second level. Go yeah. ahead and get to your landmark and cut that linebacker off, which is special. Not every team is able to do it. You need to have a lot of confidence in those initial blocks. That's something we saw on tape, I think, against the Eagles a whole lot. You see it every single week. And obviously, like your first level blocks are super important. Those second level and especially those cutoffs, that's what really will kind of get you into the the championship Sunday and, and then the Super Bowl in the end. So 
I mean, you, you got to try something up front, whether it's it's spiking just a little bit or even like, I don't know, wherever, if you end up having a five technique, having them kind of diving inside a little bit further. But like a lot, a lot is put on the linebacker's plate that, Maddie, I don't know, you know, it seems like you might not be uh, super comfortable. Not that any team would ever be comfortable. Like, so Shaq Leonard, uh, formerly with the Colts, he joined the Eagles just this past week after the 49ers game. And if I was a linebacker and I was in, to some sort of kind of free agency situation, I'm a hundred percent waiting till right after the Eagles play the 49ers. <laughs> do not, do not get me on that field. That is a, that is a, a rough, thankless situation that I know you have to watch at least two times uh, every year, three times last year, but at least two times this year. Yeah. We might get, um, poor old Devin Bush, uh, walking out for, uh, Jordan Brooks as his replacement. And this can be like his first starting action. Like, good luck. Well done. <laughs> um, the the 49ers i'm really glad you said that about how they climbed to the second level or, or just go straight to the second level in wide zone i it was the first time where this season where watching back the first game tape you had the issue of playing a one technique because he's over the center and that guard is just able to go right up to you in the b-gap bubble right up to the the backer and get onto him and the backer's like what the hell just happened like how is this guard com coming up to me so fast um often it would hit up that b-gap so I don't know, either being a bit more aggressive with uh, heavying up that outside backer to the B-gap bubble, which is what they actually did as a kind of patchwork solution, which didn't really work, or just going, hey, Ra let's take the nickel off the field. Let's put another big guy down, on, especially on early downs. And, and I know you spoke at the start about how it surprised you how much the Fortune has passed, but they do tend to be kind of run heavy on the early down stuff. Just stick another big dude in, put him in the you know, a four, four eye, four technique, have him play in the B gap and have a wide edge and make it look like a six, two on, on a lot of plays. They have that kind of stuff in their, their, their book, but they just decided not to use it. And Pete Carroll was asked about it today. Um, and he just said like, well, it was the first time we're playing these guys. We, we, you know, this is just a game plan thing. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll use it next time, I guess, but <laughs> So it's a bit odd to me. They, they 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 could have done with winning that first game. Slightly odd they didn't do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I what I also like about what we were talking about climbing to the backers, they're able you know, I wonder, I think they probably use the same like teaching term and technique, like in their the way that they climb in their gap scheme too, because it looks exactly the same. So right. it's it's really good because if you're a linebacker, you're feeling hey, wide zone's coming, wide zone's coming, where they're usually, I imagine that at the end of the season, they're going to end up at least two thirds outside zone and then one third kind of all the other stuff kind of put together. But if you're feeling outside zone and then it's, hey, it's it's hitting essentially in the A gap, the way that they kind of run a lot of their their counter where McCaffrey can get vertical really quickly, like you're you're just in for a whole lot. And that's six too. They, they like, I mean, they put it out in the preseason against the Vikings, if I remember correctly, right? Like, didn't we DM about yeah. that? Like it's, it's yeah, in the yeah. book. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe you're, you're saving it for, for another time. Have they been using it at all during the season and no, in other times? Okay. Not at all. Maybe, um, maybe they just, he put it on film for you, for you to look at and just think about, but, uh, yeah, yeah you know, maybe, well, I maybe say not at all. There's like a handful of snaps yeah. and, and, and bizarrely they did it the next week against the Cowboys. So they were clearly like, Oh, we, we messed that up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so the addition of Leonard Williams, how's, how's that kind of been overall for you? I mean, he's playing really well. It's just not really getting the pass rush opportunities and, and in the pass rush stuff, not flashing overly. But 
I mean, he's a really good three technique. Like against the run, you're him and Jaron Reed are doing some really impressive stuff. It's just the kind of structural challenges of playing that front so often, along with the fact that the other things are not going very well on the defense. Like you can only do so much. Uh, and he's never like a, you know, he's not a tier tier one game wrecker in terms of pass rush. But yeah. Uh, it would be nice to see him re-signed. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I mean, he's obviously been a net positive addition, and they needed that because they really lacked kind of interior mass and size. But in terms of uh, wh- where that goes and and whether it was the right move to make, it's a big last quarter of the season for Seattle, and that kind of brings me, Sean. Should have asked it at the start, but given that you you kind of focus on the NFL from a, a national perspective at Sumer Sports, and obviously the Eagles with Philly special podcast at the ringer. What do you think of the Seahawks? Like what's your general impression of them? <laughs> Man, why are you laughing at that, at that loaded question? You know what way I, people want to know what you think of the Seahawks. Yeah. I think that when we talk about, so I also do the, the Sumer sports show on Tuesdays where like I do the film stuff and then we have a, a really smart data guy who, uh, Tate I love that idea by the way. That. I appreciate that. Manny, I appreciate that. But the the times we bring up the Seahawks are really like around what kind of funky thing Shane Waldron is is coming up with. And and I will I will put myself in the camp of pretty firm Geno believers. Like the the Thursday night game uh against the Cowboys. How does someone play that well under pressure? It like that was, that was a special performance and so unfortunate that it ends up in a loss. But I think like where I thought, okay, this they get uh JSN in there, they're gonna lean into eleven, and then you get so much of that fun kind of like Brendan Marion go-go offense looking stuff and that yo-yo motion where the running backs kind of running out and back in. Obviously, you know, they're pretty uh, like glaring offensive line issues that I think that not just Michael Parsons has been able to expose. And then, I mean, DK Metcalf sign language trash talk has been amazing. I was, you know, I was going to ask you about Tyler Lockett because like it feels like, you know, he's maybe falling off a bit. Do you kind of share that thought? Are you Are you a little more positive on him than most people? Uh, it's, it, well, it's tough to know because the pass protection has been a real limiting factor this season. And I also, as cool as Waldron is, and you get the, you get the fun stuff, you get the, the cool things that he does. You also get like an offense that stalls out. And then it's kind of, you know, what's the root cause of this? Obviously the pass pro makes things challenging, uh, being unable to run the ball that efficiently for most of the season. Um, there, there's all these factors. But like Lockett's usage for a start, like the Cowboys game stood out to me because they actually put him in the slot. They they run play action. They let him go in a stretch the field and he gets matched up on a, well, it was a linebacker and then it was a safety. And it's like, oh, yeah, he can still actually run down the honey hole or, or, or down the pipe, uh, not the honey hole, the middle hole of, of like middle field open coverage. It's like, oh, so Tyler Lockett can still do that. That's cool. Why haven't we seen that for a lot of the year? That's odd. Pete Carroll had this massive comment about how, well, comments about basically how they weren't giving the correct routes for their receivers and they weren't using the skill set properly. So, which for Pete is pretty out there for, hey, Mr. Offensive Coordinator, can you actually like call the good plays, call the touchdowns? Um, so, yeah, I, I have been concerned about Lockett's top end speed for, for quite a bit. Uh, he, he, and and he's kind of an odd receiver in that, like, because he's kind of a slot type, uh, and obviously the history of like how Doug Baldwin was used, you think, oh, he can kind of get open in the kind of uh, sh- short to intermediate areas, quick separation. But he's kind, he's kind of like a vertical 
uh almost like possession type dude just small like he's so crafty at separating late uh now don't get me wrong he can run like quite a nice intermediate root tree but the kind of quick separation if he get impressed in the slot there's some issues when it comes to the shorter stuff he, he more kind of thrives on the deep stuff although that top end speed was a bit of a it has been a concern this year uh, though the cowboys game you're suddenly like oh maybe it's just usage there's a lot of mess going on with the 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 seahawks um offense which transitions us i mean hopefully they've sorted something out but it transitions us to the 49ers defense and watching this defense makes me sick sean because it really reminds me <laughs> of it reminds me so badly of like 2012 to 2016 seahawks defense they it's the exact same stuff it's basically the, the nickel uh, variant is over. You, they've run three weeks, guy. They run. They run some quarters. They run a bit of three bars, and they have an incredible D line. They have an incredible second level linebacker, and they're they're incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, it is seriously. I think it's probably the be the best front in football. Obviously, their defensive line is prioritizing pass rush. I don't think there's any secret about that but Greenlaw and Warner are able to erase so much where the Eagles will run this play all the time where it's you know, like our wipe is a term where that like left guard is pinning down and the center's pulling around it's just flipping responsibilities in your outside zone game and then Greenlaw just like crumples Jason Kelsey who is like so yeah, clearly shocked. like like this like Jason Kelsey is a fullback that has to snap the ball and he is so like so so good in this where they had, there's a great clip, I think the first touchdown where the Eagles against the Cowboys where Kelsey's pulling in a space. You like every week you can clip up five clips of Jason Kelsey looking awesome in space. But yeah, when they're able to fight against that, like what what do you do? So they're another team that's built so well, I would say front to back, but that middle second level is like totally just a huge eraser. Like you can't you can't we obviously think about the 49ers against the Chargers last year where like they just erase the middle of the field with a player and it's not like, hey, you can replicate this game plan. Or I'm sorry, I'm not talking about the Chargers against talking about against the Dolphins. But like, yeah, Fred Warner can erase the whole entire middle of the field. And the Eagles are reticent to attack that. They were without Dallas Goddard. But yeah, why are you going to throw it to the middle of the field when Fred Warner is going to be able to pick it off? He almost had an interception on the goal line, too. So the, again, I said at the top, like this was one of their best games in coverage, too, which like, oh, come on, like they just have to put it all together, like just in Philadelphia at the link, like they all have to do it together at the same time so just a, a headache from a matchup perspective they they throw chase young in there obviously their defensive line coach chris kasurik is is just absolutely fantastic so like you want to say okay the way to get the 49ers is you get up on them early you try and force them into known passing situations but i mean their defense has has no interest in letting you do that yeah it's not good to hear about the coverage stuff and and it annoys me because also the their coverage talent the the way that the corners play the way that they play like press man uh if the zone concept kind of you know the receiver splits allow for it that's straight out the seattle like kind of there's real uh obvious influence to like a nerd like me uh where it there's a complete carryover and guys like um travarius ward uh even lenore playing in the nickel right um they're, they're just playing really good. And they kind of have, uh, from a Seattle perspective, like DK Metcalf's number where they know what type of route he's running in each situation. They know how to play the ball. And they just always seem to have more bullets uh, than, than Seattle have. And it always feels like the Seahawks are playing right on the edge. Now, 
one thing that always stands out is that the 49ers are relatively low down for their high standards when it comes to their run defense. So I know before this week, I need to get updated numbers, but they're 20th in DVOA in run defense. But I saw that in the first half, Jalen Hurts, he um, ends up dropping back to pass 22 times and there was nine rushes, but two of those were Hurts scrambles, I think. So why were Philadelphia so pass heavy? I know that's kind of in their offense, right? But could they have run the ball more? Was the run game successful? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, this is a question that's been rattling around a bit. I think outside of the Eagles complex, there was just like two guys at 6 a.m. that had like big run the ball signs. So in Philadelphia, they they surely won it. But I thought the overall offensive game plan, it felt like a we are better than you on the outside approach, which, you know, it's true. You're familiar with obviously watching two really high level receivers on your offense. I think you could probably argue that the Eagles are even better in the aggregate there. So I don't object to leaning into passing. The bigger issue to me for Philadelphia, particularly going forward, and then when the Eagles face Seattle, is that their running game is simple, which it, that's not a problem in itself. You can be simple, but they benefit so much from being plus one in the run game with Hurts. And Jalen Hurts has an injured knee. His scrambled yards have been down. His regular rush yards, I believe, are down as well. So if you're a defense, you don't have to hold a linebacker in the same way where you see that clip of Fred Warner just fully frozen as part of his responsibility in honoring Jalen Hurts in the NFC Championship last year and then like even if you're just doing simple straight scrape exchange stuff like i don't know you like you're not stressing with your linebacker one-on-one with hurts at all so i do think like is it you need to run the ball more to me it's hey you need to run the ball better which as you said just called the touchdowns right that's isn't that easy maddie isn't that what we all do but i would like to see the eagles and then really any team just like getting more vertical in the run game or maybe not any team but the eagles i think they have the best offensive line in the league so leaning on that inside zone a little more, avoiding some of those RPOs where half your line is pass setting and kind of tiptoeing around that illegal man downfield. If you're going to get into RPOs, like get into your glance RPOs as opposed to your horizontal stretching. So to me, for the Eagles, then obviously going forward when the Eagles play the Seahawks, it's it's the running game needs to get cleaned up. Like there's no uh, kind of ifs, ands, or buts about that. I'm not sure if it's just a volume play. It's more of like, hey, you know, this needs to be edited here and there. Yeah, and I mean, from a Seattle perspective, they've really have been battling with the fact that they've been inefficient running the football, as I said, but also the kind of imbalance of their offense and what that the challenges that creates, especially when your offensive line is struggling when when they drop back to passes often. Uh, and this past week against the Cowboys kind of stood out because it felt like, and I need the exact numbers, but 
felt like there was a bit more of a hey we're just gonna sprinkle in a bit more run on on early downs whether it works or not and it did feel like there was a bit more of a balance that being said Gino was out of his mind and and was in intense pressure throughout and so maybe that's actually not what really happened maybe the run game's irrelevant uh news on that today from the Seahawks injury report Zach Charbonnet didn't participate in practice with a bruised knee injury Kenneth Walker still listed as a non-participant with his oblique thing so maybe Kenny McIntosh gets his snaps this week the the seventh round rookie but that they need to find a way uh, to get vertical and Charbonnet has a kind of more north south style than Walker perhaps uh, tight zone and, and the kind of G- GU uh, counter concepts that Seattle sprinkle in a bit more with him. Maybe they pop. Hopefully they pop. There, there has to be something. Um, how how else would you attack these 49ers, Sean? Because the, the, watching that Eagles game, it felt like basically how they moved the ball, particularly early, was kind. Of, it felt unsustainable. Like watching live, I was like, oh, Hurts is like, out there like in a war zone and he is making stuff happen um oh and it's cool how you're hitting those in breakers to beat pressure or man coverage and aj brown does incredible things and that's one way you'd like to see uh, seattle get dk metcalf involved but generally like it was brutal and it kind of was unsustainable in the end yeah i think if you're a team that can get a little heavy i know i know you love heavy personnel on offense like can mm-hmm. you I don't know. Is it you just spam duo like you? That's obviously the not the cheapest way, but like one way to really, really get vertical and challenge those linebackers just straight up. You know, I think it's easier when I talk about the Eagles. I obviously, you know, don't feel the same about the Seahawks offensive line as I do about the Eagles offensive line. And yeah, like Ward, I think even against the the Seahawks, right? I think in the second half, he seemed like he was loving up DK Metcalf a decent bit. But, you know, their, their cornerbacks can be had. So you obviously want to be able to run them out of too high if you can, because they're going to be more than happy to be in the light box because they, they can do it uh, against you pretty often. But when they get to those man coverage looks like, yeah, the, the AJ Brown highlight that you're speaking of where it's that little five and in the inside guy is running that kind of sloppy out route. That's what they call a sloppy corner or Peterson, Doug Peterson would probably call a sloppy corner. Like, you know, those are the simple man beaters that you have to get to where it is just man on man like is is dk metcalf able to get off that press i think the 49ers they were uh on the outside they were pretty handsy against the eagles so you don't want to obviously rely on the refs but you want to you know challenge those guys and and are they going to have their best coverage game again you you hope not but obviously they're probably going to have to do less with their coverage when their defensive line is getting at them so i i've said i always say i (laughs) really really do think the 49ers have the best front in football but running on them is at least by a numbers perspective, that's what like the one thing where you say, okay, teams have been able to have success here and there where the Eagles very clearly weren't. I don't think they were devoted to it. And neither of us are established the run guys that we need to be hard headed about it, but finding your balance. I just, I want to see a team get super heavy and, you know, see how, how the 49ers deal with it. Like is Travis Ward going to be able to cover DK Metcalf, then also be the edge when the ball bounces out to him on duo. Yeah. Let's, (laughs) let's see. Obviously it, it's less unfortunate that both the Seahawks running backs I saw were on the injury report this week. So I don't want to be a run the damn ball guy. I know I never want to be that, but let's, we got to figure out a way. Someone's got to be able to do it. Someone has to be able to do it on them. Well, that was the other thing about the Cowboys game. It was kind of, uh, I mean, Seattle has been sprinkling in multiple tight end looks throughout the year, 
but they kind of dwindled off a bit because they're in that battle. And you, you spoke about their 11 personnel and the fun stuff with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba presents, but they, they've struggled to find the, that kind of balance between, hey, uh, 11 personnel is really cool, but also the multiple tight end stuff really kind of allows us to get heavy in the run game, uh, obfuscate tendencies, be kind of really kind of multiple and, and diverse and, and do some cool stuff with the pass pro and just be a bit more kind of a balanced offense, especially with the Seahawks need. And so maybe this is that kind of game where they do it. I just have visions whenever Seattle's tried to do that in the past, what happens is you have Nick Bosa who uh, pierces a tight end combination block on duo on the, on the front side of that. And you're like, Oh, that, that didn't look good. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they're just really good and it's annoying. And it feels like for years they've had about, eight first round picks on their defensive line there, there was a time where that was actually true um uh it was, I think it was eight top 50 selections in their defensive front when uh i think it was when uh um what's his name robert Sala was the the coordinator they're, they're absolutely stacked and it's annoying <laughs> Yeah, Robert did... Salah, you know, yeah, I'm glad that, that you shout him out. You see the, obviously, the influence, the connection between uh, Seattle and San Francisco. I love that you mentioned that, you know, you look at it and you almost get a little angry because so many of those checks look so similar to what you've been able to see for so long. But hey, you know, football's cyclical, right? I'm sure that that back then you thought, are people 49ers fans? Actually, I guess they probably didn't because they, they had a lot of really good years in that space too. But it doesn't seem like, you know, Kyle Shanahan is going to get out of your life anytime soon, Maddie. He's just going to be... He's going to be haunting your, your I would say haunting your dreams, but he's haunting your days too. And you got to grind that film and you're just watching, you know, Kittle move, <laughs> be the movable gap and no one be able to fill that. Well, this is all, this is all his revenge because the way I see it, when he was with Washington, uh, now I need to get the year right. They had a playoff game. Um, it's probably 2013 or maybe 2014. Anyway, Kirk Cousins, they, they had so many like absolutely beautiful beaters for like Seattle's coverage, just like gorgeous stuff. It actually, it could just, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on what actual game it was. It could have just been regular season, but like it was a, a wild lot card of card game in 2013. Yeah. That was a playoff right. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but it wasn't a wild card game. Uh, anyway, uh, regardless, they had so many great beaters, and I'm like watching it uh, back today, knowing all I do about Seahawks defense. And I'm like, wow, that's that's like evil. And then like the pass rush like moves it off the spot, you know, and, and the, the like the front takes over, or, or like you know, Cousins just misses, and you, and Shanahan clearly he was like, this is a good defense, which causes some issues for me if they have uh, defensive front talent. I'm going to go to San Francisco, take that, uh, uh, jazz it up a bit, uh, 2023, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of like that, you know, he went that way. Well, obviously, are going to from D'Amico Ryan's going to Steve Wilkes. Like in my head, my dream scenario is okay, let's get Fangio back there because I obviously, you know, how much I love Vic yep. Fangio, put them together. But yeah, I think it makes a lot more sense that he kind of stuck to really what they were doing. And instead of like, why would you unfound your whole entire system when your players are able to succeed in it? Like that, it makes no sense to do that. So I do think that was a smart move by Shanahan and he's, he's like resisting Fangioism as, as a movement, you know, <laughs> he's the, not that he's a counterweight or a counterculture. He's obviously destroying it on the offensive end and in so many ways, but I, I like him, I like him sticking to that defense. And it's not, it's kind of radicalized me a little bit, Maddie. I don't know if you feel the same, but those, like when we watched the Browns earlier in the season where That's, these guys are just getting upfield and attacking. Like, yep. 
you love that, you know? That's what I was going to say. It's, it's really interesting, like, the the really good defenses in the NFL. Like, you, you know, we, we talked about Salah as well. There's kind of that, like, four-down world where they just get upfield and they're, they're super aggressive. And then there's the kind of Fangio stuff, which is interesting. I mean, I've always I've always been fascinated watching the kind of Eagle stuff with how they have the two kind of bigger edge types rather than, like... I mean, Seattle right now, they, they, they're light on the edge. They, they're just light and it's like the front office doesn't understand that hey yeah we're our three four but don't break your brains here like any edge player will do like we're not going to play any base this year we're just going to play nickel so it's fine don't you don't need to have only 255 pound edge players it's okay you you can get a 275 pound player and play him on the edge if he's fast enough yeah it's uh i mean like team building as a philosophy is is just so interesting obviously like watching the Eagles week after week, like just because your linebackers get exposed doesn't mean you unfound your whole entire team building process. So it wasn't, was it the on Thursday night where it was one of the front office guys from the Seahawks was on the sidelines. I love that. Let's get more. One of them. It was, uh, it was John Schneider, the general manager (laughs) with, with like five minutes left in the game, just (laughs) screaming at an official to, to flag Dak Prescott for taunting. Let's get more general managers on 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 the sidelines in that white strip. You got to see like head obviously head coaches and general managers have so much interaction all the time. So let's get more general managers out there. Like let's have get, dysfunction. <laughs> Pete well, and his monarch sneakers just trying to trying to fight off uh, well, Schneider an, like that. As an Eagles uh, coverer, Sean, you're familiar with like sideline dysfunction, right? Like that's a <laughs> that's a trending topic in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, no? okay, I, w- I will say that the uh, <laughs> Big Dom, the security guy, and uh, Dre Greenlaw, they they threw intermediaries, you know, issued apologies to each other. So every everything is square on that end, Maddie. You can't you can't come at uh, the Eagles. They they've apologized. Yeah, they, that's a good trade. Do you get Dre Greenlaw out the game? He's just doing his job. He's like, I mean, fifty <laughs> seven's a good player. Let's get rid of him. You think that's what Schneider was on the sidelines for? He's like, you know what? I think I can get Dak. I can get Dak Prescott thrown out the game. Yeah. As a general manager, that is, I mean, that's like one full win above replacement right there. Like that is, that is massive (laughs) added value to any franchise. Absolutely. Um, So just on the 49ers defense, finishing up, is there any way that you'd attack them? It's kind of, I mean, similar to those, those great Seahawks defenses, really. Whereas, I mean, we've spoke about getting heavy, running the balls that, um, nullified a pass rush. Uh, pray, <laughs> Maddie. It's just like as the as we get to minute forty six, just the life just draining out of your face. Just like a how do you do? I do. You know, we uh, we talk about like oh, you get those backside checks where this is so clearly like a lock one on one in man coverage, and you know we call them fifty fifty balls. They're not fifty fifty balls. Like by the numbers, it's closer, much closer to forty sixty at the high end for where forty is the completion, like. I don't know. Do you build the whole plane about throwing the ball up to DK Metcalf? Let's get him. Let's get him another nice sign language celebration where I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's got something good cook, cooked up there. So I think you know finding different ways to isolate your receivers on the outside. If you can win those situations, it, it would be great because it obviously takes a little bit off your offensive line if it's just hey one two let's let's go ahead and get the ball out there. But uh, the Seattle doesn't move DK around all that much, right? I don't think he loves being. I've seen him like obviously run choice routes from the slot, no. but that's not something that. He loves you know, to do, right? You said um, it, just on the Philadelphia connection. You, you said how uh, Philadelphia probably has a better like receiving duo than Seattle. I would I would agree with that. Um, 
AJ, it's, it's, it's really interesting watching AJ Brown and like the, the kind of detail in his game and then kind of comparing that to, to DK Metcalf and how some of his stuff is like very, very sloppy. And then he has, and then he goes off because ultimately he's still DK Metcalf. And if you get him the ball uh, and he catches that slant as you saw against the Cowboys, wow. But that was like a big, an even bigger wow because for the past few weeks, he'd been getting clamped up by guys just knowing what he was doing and the sloppy details in his route running was very evident. Yeah, I wonder, uh, being a receiver just seems like a like a, a rough job overall because like you're you're running how many routes? Say your quarterback drops back 40 times a year. They, you're running 40 routes. You're, you're pretty much doing wind sprints at, at certain points. You're running the defense off. Say you even get like six or seven or even like 11 targets. You only end up really having a shot at six of those. You get five catches. Like that's that's just... You know, it's a low percentage, Maddie. It's like if well, people listen boo, to the first five minutes for of the podcast. <laughs> I'm a defensive guy. All receivers no, you really know, cool. Maddie, you know I'm a defensive guy, too. We make it <laughs> too hard for the defense. But come on, those those guys on offense, they deserve some love, too. Like, I don't know if you agree with this. My, I guess I could make, like, convince myself that any position on the defense is the hardest across uh, all of football. But, like, linebacker to me is just, like, the most... Like these poor, those are the ones who we should be boohooing for. I understand cornerbacks; oh, they have it really hard too. That's why with, I love watching everything. Like, I love watching the best linebackers because that there's just so much that they're asked to do. There's so much they have to kind of clear and check, and the speed that they're able to play with, and like the stuff they're able to recognize. This, you know, running sideline to sideline, like turning and matching a route down the field, nuts absolutely nuts i mean yeah particularly i think obviously fred warner is an easy one to think yeah. of like when you can put more on your linebackers plate to take things away from other people that yeah, is it's really like special. having a a queen chess piece in the middle of the defense right yeah it's 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 awesome and i just i mean maddie what are we gonna do what are we gonna do with these 49ers who, who's, who's, who's gonna beat them first someone obviously they have three losses but they feel like a totally different team uh now where it's just like if those guys are healthy like what what does what does anyone do? And I don't know if you have an opinion watching Purdy Tape. I think I am just like a little bit. Uh, I'm obviously Shanahan pilled. You know that through and yes. through. But I, you can't blame a quarterback for what system he's in. Like he's still no. he's still able well, to succeed in it. You you definitely can. <laughs> well, I guess um, if, if we were if we were building our own separate team, yeah, then you then you start to scrutinize it. Uh, I think a little bit more. But you know, Brock, Brock Purdy didn't didn't choose his his circumstances. Just like Geno Smith didn't choose the Jets, right? True, true. And I mean, I may or may not have tweeted uh, during the draft before Brock Purdy was a Mr. Irrelevant. I said, why take a quarterback this year when uh, Brock uh, Purdy mania is available next year? He had it at Iowa State. He had it. He was special. There was something. I remember <laughs> watching him as like a, a, a freshman uh, come back against West Virginia and like end their very slim uh, college football playoff hopes. <laughs> he he was like uh he had like a bit of Russell Wilson about him, bit of um Well, Joe Montana's now the thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I was just gonna say, like uh I mean uh we had a one of our data scientists write this like really good article about comparing like okay, well who is gonna be this year's Brock Purdy? And actually the the numbers ended up landing on Clayton Toon for uh the Cardinals, who found his way into the end zone. I think it was on a quarterback sneak. But obviously whenever you write about that pick, like the first thing you write about is you you talk back to Tom Brady and it's like, you know, maybe mm -hmm. let's, let's hold off on, uh, <laughs> on that. But 
Maddie, maybe every quarterback's a system quarterback. You know, like I think myself, I'm definitely a system podcaster. You know, it's it's very much Absolutely. the environment. I can't I can't I can't pretend uh, that I'm anything but that. But if all the quarterbacks are no, system I think you're 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 scheme uh, scheme agnostic. Is that the right word? You're podcast agnostic. <laughs> you can you can thrive in any podcast environment, as as today's it proved. Now, the the last thing to say, 49ers are nine point a nine point five point favorite. A nine and a half point favorite in this game. Um, so not not very close. And then the other thing is Jordan, Jordan Brooks didn't practice, as I said. Other things I missed, Jamal Adams didn't practice with a knee thing, which is what he's been dealing with throughout the season. Leonard Williams, a non-participant with the ankle, which he showed up with last week as well. Trey Brown didn't participate with a heel injury, the Seahawks left corner. And that is it. Sean, you've been so generous with your time. You've been absolutely brilliant and you are brilliant on other podcasts so you don't have to, to listen to me too what what would you like to plug matt i appreciate that so much just if, if you liked what you heard if you enjoyed it enough uh at syed schemes on twitter uh at i do the sumer sports show on tuesday where we talk about stats and scheme together ringers philly special podcast on wednesdays where we break down eagles film loves to get that eagles seahawks game going and yeah if you're if you're a numbers person i obviously matt you know i'm a I'm film first, foremost, and always. But sumersports.com, I think it's been fun to dig around on the website. You can see your team's playoff odds. You can see, you know, maybe the Seahawks getting getting above that 50 60%. You know, they got to win this week. They'll they'll keep on moving up. So that's just, a, I think, a good place, sumersports.com, to, to break down some other things, uh, you know, if you don't want to just watch uh, Kyle Shanahan shred a defense. Well, and for for me, the, your, your podcast, your stats and scheme podcast, the way that blends the two, because sometimes I find data um, difficult. I, I'm stupid. I, I find data difficult. But um, li- listening to that is a very uh, great blend for me. Um, and that, that is a great, great listen. So, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, make sure you check Sean out. Uh, please do like the podcast. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening. Give us a five-star review. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Follow the pod at Seattle Overload to know when we're going live so you can join in with the chat. Uh, chat sorry i haven't uh, kept up with you i will be live in 30 minutes doing a cowboys tape review so that'll be fun um <laughs> can't wait for that but uh thank you very much and have a good rest of your day